turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And this is it for our study of Ephesians. If there is there two seats together anywhere? Okay, alright. This is it for our study of Ephesians. Uh, it is three years in the making. I looked back at it this last week. And we've done some other things here and there, but... For the uh, majority of the last three years, we've been studying Ephesians, and we'll be done after today. So follow as I read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 21 through 24. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers, and love with faith, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ, with love incorruptible. Amen. So, uh, remember that Paul is writing this letter from prison. He started the church in Ephesus. He loves them dearly, and no doubt they love him as well. So he is sending this faithful brother, Tychicus. Tychicus, uh, I'm not sure. We don't know a whole lot about Tychicus, but he is mentioned a few times in the scriptures. He's mentioned for the first time in Acts chapter 20, where he joined Paul's missionary team, and he's mentioned there along with Timothy. So that's an important little band of brothers there. Uh, Also in Acts 20, we find out he's from Asia. He's one of the Asians mentioned, I think, with Trephimerus or something like that. Uh, He's mentioned again in Colossians in a similar manner that he's mentioned here in Ephesians. Paul was sending him to the church at Colossae as well, probably on the same journey. Um, He's being sent to these churches to tell them about what's going on in the church near and far. No doubt Paul's getting word as he's there. And, and to encourage them, to encourage them about Paul's well-being. He's doing fine. And just in general, that they might be strengthened in the faith uh, for perseverance to the end. But there's something else as well. It's not, as, it's not explicitly mentioned here, but it's obvious when you think about it. Uh, Tychicus was being sent to Colossae and Ephesus And while he would encourage the churches and and tell them what was happening with Paul, he was also being sent with letters uh, to give them. That would be Paul's letter to the church at Colossae, what we now have as Colossians, and his letter to the church at Ephesus, Ephesians. So Paul's signing off on the letter, he's handing it to Tychicus, and he says, on to Ephesus, take this to them. Uh, And little did Tychicus know at the time He wasn't just carrying a letter from Paul. He was carrying the Scriptures. He was carrying God's Word, not only to the Colossians, and not only to the Ephesians, but also to untold millions of believers all over the world for the last 2,000 years and counting. So, there is encouragement for us here. Tychicus is not a very well-known believer. He is mentioned in passing a couple times in the Scriptures, which is not insignificant. But certainly he doesn't take the stage of, say, Abraham or David or 
you know, Peter and John and Paul. Yet, what we know about Tychicus is that he was a faithful servant of the Lord, and when he was given opportunities, he was one who could be trusted to do them well. We also know that God used his service in amazing ways. Um, Ways that he probably had no idea about at the time of service. But all these years later, we have the Scriptures in part because of Tychicus. And the same goes for us. Not that we will carry the Scriptures, um, but we will get as much press as God wants us to get. Some will get more than others. But all of us can only hope for these things to be said about us one day, that we, we are a beloved brother or sister in Christ, a faithful minister in the Lord. You know, as Ephesians 4 taught us, we are all ministers in some sense. We all have a role to play in the ministry of the Lord. And as we serve, even in seemingly small ways, I have no doubt that our acts of service will have an oversized impact when we look back at them from the 2,000-year perspective, just like Tychicus. So press on and be faithful wherever God has called you to be faithful, even in the small things that aren't seen by anyone else except Him, because we know even the small things are very significant in the economy of the kingdom. Something else about Tychicus, uh, when he got to Ephesus with this letter, what they would have done would have been to read it aloud in the congregation in its entirety. I'm sure they would have broken it down and analyzed it like we've done. Uh, But what we know from the early church is they would have initially at least read it aloud in its entirety. Paul mentions this practice in Colossians 4. Uh, And remember that Tychicus carried the letter to the Colossians and to the Ephesians on the same journey. He says, Colossians 4.16, When this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, uh, etc. So, you know, I'm giving you this letter, have it read, pass it along, have it read over there. Now, uh, we don't really do this anymore. We don't really read them from top to bottom. I don't think we're better for it. Uh, which is why some of you may remember when we started our study of Ephesians three years ago, I read it in its entirety. I remember Jeremy Toombs saying something like, well, you finally preached your perfect sermon. You know, it's true because it's just uh, Scripture. And at the time, I told you, when we finish our study, whenever that is, one day, someday, out into the future, I'm going to read it aloud again. Um, So... If you've been here for much of the study, I think you'll be better able to uh, enjoy and immerse yourself in and comprehend the reading of the letter on this end, maybe, than we were on that end. But first, I want to say a brief word about the benediction, which is there um, at the end. Peace be to the brothers and so on. A benediction is a pronouncement of God's blessing on the people of God. Uh, It's not really a prayer, though it's certainly not wrong to pray these things in light of a benediction. Um, But 
because it's not a prayer, we often say, you know, we should raise our heads for the benediction, uh, not bow our heads like we do in prayer. It's a pronouncement of God's blessing being pronounced on the people of God. And of course, we're dependent on God for the fulfillment of these things, much like in prayer, but there's a difference. Uh, Paul is not asking that these things would be true for them as if they are as if though they are not. He is pronouncing God's blessing on them, uh, confident that this is in fact already in motion and that God will continue to work this out in their midst. So this benediction includes uh, the peace of God, which is not just the absence of anxiety or hostility, uh, but shalom, God's wholeness, uh, completion, like the way that things were before sin entered the world. And God has already begun to restore that shalom in His people and in the world, and He will complete His work in His perfect timing. That is the direction of uh, the restoration of all things in Christ, is the restoration of God's shalom, His peace. Uh, Love with faith, so that the love of God would be overflowing from Him to them uh, and through them and us, resulting in love for God and love for other people. In fact, it says, We who love Jesus love Him with love that is incorruptible, which is really an amazing statement. I don't know about you, but my love doesn't feel incorruptible at times. Um, But... It, what it is, it may not be perfected in strength, but what is there is certainly incorruptible and not going anywhere. And that's because what God has done is poured His love into our hearts. And uh, so He's saying, this is so, may it continue to be so, uh, and, and abound more and more. With faith, confident that the blessings of God are ours in Christ living in light of our eternal confidence in Christ so that we would, by faith, uh, persevere to the end. All of which only comes from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, given to us uh, by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So we see that there as well. It's all gift. It's all grace. We see that as well. And Paul is here pronouncing that there is a whole lot more where that came from. So... Let us finish where we started with a reading of the book of Ephesians. And as we read, remember that this is the Word of God. Ephesians in its entirety, starting in verse 1. Follow as I read. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, 
which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And He put all things under His feet and gave Him as head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus." For by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that He might create 
in Himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And He came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through Him we both have access in one Spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into this mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to His holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the workings of His power to me, Though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when He ascended on high, He led a host of captives and He gave gifts to men. In saying He ascended, what does it mean 
but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Rather, speaking the truth uh, by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience." Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, 
and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and these two shall become one flesh." This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them, and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. 
in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Lift up your heads and receive the benediction. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Amen. Let's pray. Oh Father, You are holy and righteous and good and um, we are sinners and we do not deserve to be in Your presence. Uh, We deserve to be under Your just condemnation and wrath. Indeed, we were born in that situation in our sin. And yet You are rich in mercy and grace and love overflowing. And You have lavished us with Your grace and mercy in Christ. You've given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Lord, thank You for Your grace. Thank You for bringing us to new life in Christ. Thank You, Lord Jesus, for taking our condemnation on Yourself on the cross that we no longer have any condemnation because we are trusting in You. Thank You, Father, that You've removed Your wrath from us as far as the east is from the west, that You see us as perfect and righteous in Christ, and that You have welcomed us into Your family as sons and daughters. Lord, I pray that You would indeed fill us with Your fullness, that You would help us to better understand and know Your love in a way that surpasses knowledge, that it would not just be mere mental assent and recognition of propositions, but deep down in our hearts and souls that You would flood us with Your grace and mercy and love and fill us with Your Spirit and empower us to live a life worthy of the calling to which we've been called. Lord, help us to cherish our position as members of the body of Christ to fight for unity in her, uh, both within our smaller groups and within our larger larger congregation and across uh, congregational and denominational and national lines, that uh, we would be uh, those who fight for unity in the body of Christ. Lord, we also pray that we would fight uh, our sin, that you would just give us a holy urgency to put off the old self and put on the new, and that we would not lose heart and fight Uh, Satan and his servants with with all of the weapons of warfare that you've given us. Thank you, Lord, that you have not left us to ourselves. Indeed, in and of ourselves, we are sitting ducks and are no match for what's ahead. But we believe you. We believe that you have given us all things in Christ. We believe that you've given us everything that we'll need to persevere to the end. 
So, Lord, uh, we thank you. We thank you for your grace. Uh, We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your life that is in us. We thank you that we will be with you in glory. And we do ask for the strength to get there. Uh, We pray for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. We do have a couple minutes if anybody wants to say anything about that. There's a lot in there. So much. Yeah. Rich stuff. I just every time you would say something, I'm like, oh, yeah, that is in Ephesians. Oh, that's in there too. Yeah. And I kind of, you, my tendency is to want to stop there and say some things and talk about, you know, and I, I read the Bible that way a lot of times, uh, a chapter at a time, a couple chapters at a time, and just sort of hovering and meditating, which is what we're called to do, thinking through what is said, the implications of what is said, applications in my life. And we ought to read the Bible that way. But um, this is a good way to read the Bible too. Just in big chunks, read whole books. You know, some of them are six chapters, some of them are 40 chapters. But uh, it's a, that's a good thing too. Maybe sometimes we see themes that connect that we wouldn't normally see otherwise. And um, I commend them both to you. But... Again, a perfect sermon, and uh, you won't hear any more other than when we do that. But uh, that's good. Anybody else? What's next? I don't know. Uh, I've had I've had a couple ideas. Yeah, I'm teaching Romans eight um, on the senior high retreat, and. That's a lot of work, so maybe Romans 8. Uh, I would really like to go to something Old Testament. So I think we did Ecclesiastes a few years back, and then we went Sermon on the Mount and Ephesians, so I think it's time for something Old Testament. Do you have any recommendations? I'll probably put some filler in for a few weeks and then start something new here in a month or so. Leviticus. Leviticus. I got a great commentary on Leviticus. Hey, you know, uh, we laugh and, and what the joke is always made that that's where people's Bible reading plan stops is in Leviticus. But there's some rich uh, connection to Christ and understanding, you know, the significance of, of His life for ours. So, it's not a bad idea. Although, and one thing that the Romans 8 thing is forcing me to do is do much bigger chunks than I've been accustomed to. If you're going to do something like Leviticus, you need to do that too. Do you think there's any evidence in the Bible that anybody who was writing God's Word knew that they were writing it? Paul doesn't say it that way, that he knew that he was pinning perfect words. Yeah, no, you know, Peter, even during, while Peter and Paul are still alive, Peter calls Paul's writing Scripture. So I think... Even maybe so, maybe during their lifetime. But we also know that, well, and then the prophets knew they were speaking from the Lord. But did they know how He would use that? Did they know? They didn't even know who they were speaking about. It says that in the New Testament. The prophets are proclaiming Christ in these prophecies, and they don't even know what they're saying. They know it's good. They know it's God's promise, and they know it's, it's really good. 
but they didn't know what time he was going to live. They didn't know who he was going to be. And uh, so I would venture to say not... They certainly, even if Paul knew and Peter knew Paul was writing Scripture, maybe they knew a little bit, but they didn't see what we see. And the difference there was in the Old Testament. It was typically a manifestation of God to help the prophets write. Right. Whereas in the New Testament, you've had the Holy Spirit come down. Inside. Uh, yeah, and, you know, and dwell within. <clears throat> right. So there's a different kind of inspiration. Definitely. Or a different form of inspiration. Yeah. Good thoughts. Anyone want to close us out? Nobody wants the last word? Well, uh, it's been a real pleasure for me to teach it. I think I've grown tremendously. I have read Ephesians a number of times, but um, teaching through something is... You just have to immerse yourself in it in a different way and, and uh, great joy to teach it, especially to you. Very receptive, eager bunch, and uh, I appreciate that. So let us go. And I will say, uh, we're taking communion today. Here's a good opportunity for me to say, and maybe you already have plans today, but let me just say, if if you're in the normal habit of coming just to first hour and coming in here, uh, don't do that normally. You know, I understand things happen, but um, I would be depriving you to encourage you to do that. There is much that is offered us by way of the means of grace in the corporate worship service. Uh, like today, we're taking communion together. And so just want to, and singing to God. You know, the end of missions is worship, the end of all discipleship is worship. Like the end of the trajectory of Human history is worship, is a worshiping people, uh, worshiping the Lord. And so we're preparing for that, practicing that. It's a part of our discipleship with the Lord and singing to the Lord. And um, we don't want to be deprived of those things. Again, I understand people have things, but just don't let that be your normal habit. Okay? Good day.